Welcome to another Alive at Springwood podcast, brought to you by Springwood Presbyterian Churches, where we don't believe churches are buildings. Churches are people. Disciples of Jesus bound together in diversity by God's love, while pursuing faithfulness and vulnerability, celebration and lament, reading the Bible and prayer. May you be encouraged and God glorified by this edition. Well, one of our members uh, who attends Winmalee and Springwood at 11, mainly Roy Carr, turned 90 last week. Uh, Roy and Muriel had come from England back in the 1960s to Australia and uh, they've got such a lovely journey. I think they're the longest standing members of our churches, having been with us for a long time now. And uh, The journey that they've been on is worth finding out about. And, uh, this morning at Alive at Nine, we met uh, a newborn, uh, Josie Heath, a little baby who's just been born, and there's a number of other babies about to be born uh, to families in our communities. Um, if you were born this year, uh, I wonder what it's going to be like turning 18 in 2039 or turning 40 in 2061 or perhaps turning 90 in 2111. What a journey, uh, what a journey these children will be on over the next years. And I wonder when the Lord will return and what we expect for our future in the world in years to come. Uh, You can't read Luke's gospel without being very alert to the two themes which I'm going to talk about tonight of the journey and the destination. And... uh, The journey of Jesus in Luke uh, is a long feature of the book of Luke. Uh, Jesus is on the road journeying from chapter 9 to chapter 19. Ten chapters right in the centre of the book have Jesus on the road from 951 to 1948. And here in chapter 20, our text tonight, he arrives at his first destination the journey and the destination. I've uh, entitled the sermon, Where is Jesus Going? Where am I going? And I could add the words, where are you going? What's your journey? What's your destination? Where are we going? What's our destination? They're the two areas of inquiry and exploration from the passage. When we look at Jesus on the road in Luke, we might think that he's just wandering around. Um, From 19... For for 10 chapters from 951 to 1948, um, Jesus is blessing babies and eating meals and stopping in houses and going north and south. He doesn't really seem to be on a straight line at all. Spends time with friends, heals people, talks to lepers. Uh, You might get the impression that Jesus is a wandering rabbi. But Jesus is not wandering. His choices, his life is purposeful. And in 9.51, as his journey begins, we read these words in Luke 9.51. As the time approached for him to be taken up into heaven, Jesus resolutely set out for heaven, uh, for Jerusalem. And that word resolutely uh, is a key word. Uh, Some translations uh, think of, of Isaiah and they talk about it. He set his face like flint. He steeled himself. He was steadfast and determined and resolute as he set out on this purposeful 
journey. And then he takes 10 chapters of text to arrive at his destination. So Jesus is not wandering. He is resolute on the journey. And what is the destination that he is journeying towards? Well, I want to suggest there's two and then a third. The first destination is the temple in Jerusalem. Uh, He's coming to the temple, and that's where the action happens here in Luke chapter 20. In Luke's account, Jesus hasn't been in the temple since he was 12 years old. And remember when he was 12, his parents came looking for him, and he said to them, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Even at 12, um, Jesus was resolute, determined, uh, and conscious of God's leading. Uh, But he hasn't been at the temple in Luke since Luke 2, and now he comes again to the temple in Luke 20. This is his destination. The temple, which we've been hearing about over the last month uh, from Ezra and Nehemiah, uh, is that second temple, that very disappointing temple, which was rebuilt after the devastation of the Babylonian invasion and exile. This is the place where Israel has been waiting, waiting for the glory, waiting for the king, waiting for God to come and be present again among them. There's been so many questions for the last 500 years. The temple, as it well, has has had a question mark over it. Now Jesus comes to the temple in Luke chapter 20. This is his father's house. He is the king who comes to the temple. And when he gets there, he finds that it's desecrated, it's polluted, it's perverted, it's lost its reason for being, it's lost its meaning. There is so much that's wrong in the temple. And so coming to the temple becomes a place of teaching and opposition and strength. And Jesus reclaims the temple, first of all, as a holy place, second of all, as a prayerful place, thirdly, as a teaching place. So this is what Jesus affirms about the temple. This is the place of God's holiness. This is the place to meet, to worship, to sacrifice, to praise, to know God. This is not a place for robbers for injustice, for economic gain and rip-off merchants. This is a holy place. Then he says, my father's house, it's a house of prayer. This is a, a place for prayer. Come here and pray. And then he says, this is a place for teaching. And throughout Luke 19 and 20, Jesus teaches. We're told in 1947, every day, he comes to the temple to teach. And he meets such opposition, opposition to his teaching, opposition to his prayers, opposition to his claims for holiness and communion with God. The opposition is expressed by the chief priests and the Jewish leadership of the day, the scribes who are in power and in wealth in the temple dwelling. Well, in Luke 20, we read two incidents as Jesus' authority is challenged and he, in wisdom, contends with them in verses 1 to 8 
Then he tells a, a stunning parable, the parable of the tenants in 29 to 18, using familiar imagery from Isaiah 5 particularly. And he says to these Jewish leaders, uh, God is the owner of the vineyard. Uh, the tenants are corrupt. Uh, the beloved son has arrived. And in the parable, the beloved son is killed. And he threatens that God will give the vineyard to somebody else. And the people cry out, God forbid. And Jesus is putting before them a choice. Either you follow your corrupt teachers or you turn now and follow me, the king. And we get some lovely text from um, Psalm 118, which was read before. As he comes into Jerusalem, the disciples, the crowds of disciples are crying out, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven, glory in the highest. It sounds like the birth narrative, the temple narrative now has Jesus coming to reclaim God's throne on earth, the temple. He turns to the people and he says to them, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. He's quoting Psalm 118, everyone who falls on that stone will be broken to pieces. Anyone on whom it falls will be crushed. Make your choice. Follow Messiah Jesus, the teacher, in the place of prayer and holiness, or listen to your corrupt teachers, scribes, and follow them to judgment. Well, the chief priests and the scribes are furious. They want him dead. They want him arrested. And so the conflict will continue until he goes to the cross and into burial. His first destination is the temple. He comes to Jerusalem. But there is a further destination which Luke has in mind, which is before us tonight. Luke 9.51, as the journey commenced, as the time approached for him to be taken up into heaven, he resolutely set out for Jerusalem. He's at the earthly temple on his way to heaven, to the heavenly temple. Luke portrays this journey of Jesus in coming to Jerusalem as full of joy and expectation and homecoming because Jesus is going to the Father to receive the Spirit, to pour out his presence on the nations. He's going to ascend. He's going to be taken up into heaven. He's going from the earthly throne to the heavenly throne. He's going from the Jerusalem on earth to the throne room, the dwelling place of God in heaven. He's going from the temple to heaven. And as Luke's book ends in chapter 24, that's what happens. While he was blessing his disciples, he left them and was taken up into heaven. And what did the disciples do? They go back to the temple and they praise God and they wait. The heavenly temple and the earthly temple are both in focus in Luke as Jesus goes to heaven. But I want to add a third destination because Jesus is not going to heaven 
to stay there. In Luke's second book, as the apostles start to preach, in chapter 3, 21 of Acts, Peter preaches, heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything. So what's the third destination of Jesus, the enthroned king? It's the new creation. It's everything restored. So I want to suggest there's three big destinations in Luke's mind in his writings in Luke and Acts. Jerusalem, the temple, heaven, the throne, restoring everything, the new creation. They are the destinations of Jesus. This is the purpose of the journey. This is what the Luke book is all about. So the destination of Jesus is clear, and I want to now turn our attention to our destination as disciples of Jesus. Where are we going? Some years ago, Mark Sayers wrote a lovely little book which has impacted me. It was called The Road Trip That Changed the World. And in the book, he talks about the 1950s and 1960s and a whole new movement of freedom and adventure. Uh, And he refers to a book called On the Road, written in 1957 by a guy called Jack Kerouac, who was a cultural influencer, um, a writer, uh, a, a, a cultural figure in the USA at that time. Jack Kerouac and his friends set out on the road to find meaning. And in their book, the metaphor of the road affirmed that the journey is more important than the destination. Life is like going, being on the road. It's all about having adventures, finding yourself in the journey, and it actually doesn't really matter where you're going. It's all about mobility and self-discovery and new experiences and heaping up stories. It's all about doing new things, getting more stuff. The road is a symbol for the kind of life that is carefree and adventurous. It beckons us to freedom and self-discovery. And, of course, it became uh, an undergirding metaphor for consumerism. Uh, The end is bleak, so get it all now and just blaze out and have adventures. The journey matters. The destination doesn't. Go anywhere go everywhere and just have experiences. I think a lot of young people and a lot of people in our cultural times and places just want to be on the road. And disciples of Jesus do not have that kind of meaning for life. We know the destination. Jesus has gone before us. We walk in his footsteps. We follow the risen Christ. So I want to, in reverse order, uh, suggest that we've got three destinations tonight. And I guess I'm claiming that we want to order our lives around these three destinations. 
the first destination, uh, the big one, is a whole new creation. We're the people of the future in Christ who are living in the present. We're the people who are on the road to a world in which there will be no more death, no more mourning, no more curse. Revelation 21 and 22. And the new creation is not merely future. It's already begun. The spirit is here. The church is here. Redemption has begun. The first fruits are here. And in all the stories we're hearing uh, of love and support and generosity and care in the churches, right now we're getting signs of new creation. Uh, Don't believe the hopeless chatter uh, of a bleak future for the world. Our future is a new creation, new fruit, new life, completed hope. The resurrection of Jesus has secured it, and we know the destination is new creation. But while Christ works our history under his sovereignty and the new creation is being brought into being, um, immediate destination for us is heaven. Uh, We're going to be with the Lord. We're going to be in the presence of God. And I love the words of Jesus in John 14, which which we often read at funerals, but we ought to read them for daily life. Jesus saying, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. I love that. The the, uh, King James translated, my father's house is like a mansion, but more literally, it has many rooms. I'm going there to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me. Our destination is with God, with the Lord in the house of the Lord, in the heavenly temple, in the presence of God. We're going to be in heaven. Um, My dad died uh, September 1, 10 years ago uh, this week. And it was such a thrill to be able to say to him in those latter days, as I'm sure Paul is saying to his dad, you're going to be with the Lord. You're going to be in heaven. That's the second one. The third one, uh, we're no longer going to the temple in Jerusalem. We are becoming the temple of the Lord on earth. And this is an exciting destination. Uh, Paul wrote to Christians in the church in Corinth in the first century, and he said, do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst? So let me read that for the Live at Five Church tonight. Do we know that we are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in our midst? When Jesus came to the temple, he claimed it, he reclaimed it as a holy place of prayer and teaching where the word of God and prayers and God's presence were evident. That's what the church is in the world now. And the temple is a holy place of prayer and teaching. We're on a journey to holiness. We're on a journey individually and corporately, and I love the prayer that Bob gave us earlier tonight in the reflections. 
We're on the journey to the destination of holiness. In all of our relationships, our friendships, our work, our neighbourhoods, our workplaces, our family life. Really enjoyed listening recently to the biography of Eugene Peterson. Uh, many will know him as the author of The Message, but Peterson pastored for many years, uh, wrote many books and had many, many interests. He was worldly in the best sense of the world, of the word. He loved running. He loved mountains, he loved skiing, he loved music, he loved painting, he loved his family, and he loved God. Uh, the biography, which is called Burning in My Bones, uh, includes a lot of his journal entries where he talks about the one quest that became his occupation, particularly later in life, and that was his quest to be holy. In one journal entry, Peterson writes the words, make me a saint. I am so far from it. Such a long journey. I think I'm on the right road. There is only one sadness, not to be a saint. Nothing else matters. Nothing else will make any difference. And now I regret all the posing I have done from time to time to appear competent and worldly wise competing. There is only one sadness, not to be a saint. Peterson doesn't mean he's not in Christ. He means living it out in thought and word, in meditation, in choice, in friendship, in relationship. There's some beautiful moments in the biography where he apologises to his children, where he wrestles in issues in their marriage. Certainly re rec uh, um, welcome you to read the, read the book and recommend it to you, Peterson's biography. Make me a saint. I am so far from it. Such a long journey. I think I'm on the right road. There is only one sadness, not to be a saint. Challenge tonight then, what do I need to put aside if I'm on the road to the new creation, to heaven and holiness? What do I need to put on if I'm on the road to the new creation, to heaven? and to holiness. We can choose every day, every week of our lives, many destinations and directions in our day-to-day -day activities, our work, our conversation, our family life, our ambitions, our study, our relaxation. The challenge of Luke 19 and 20 is to be on a journey with a purposeful destination, like Jesus, resolute. Our small choices, our habits, and our practices ought to reflect our confidence that the journey is into new creation, heaven, and holiness, individually and as church. So let's pray and make that the journey and the destination to which we're committed. Father, thanks for Jesus, for his resolute, 
face set journeying and destination to the throne, to the new creation, to the temple, to holiness. May that be our destination. May they be our destinations uh, tonight as a church, as Live at Five, uh, for us individually and in our groupings and friendships. Uh, thank you for the confidence we have that Jesus has gone before us and we're heading for a brand new, beautiful world uh, to time in heaven with you and to holy templeness in which your spirit is comfortable uh, in all of our choices, in all of our work and rest, home and neighbourhood uh, and church, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.